Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. This is going to be huge. Welcome. You are locked on the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the editor of Smoking Cuban. What you got for me on finals week, Isaac Harris? Finals week, finals playback, finals flashback, finals... Ooh, I like finals flashback. Let's do that. Yeah. Finals time travel back in time. <laughs> finals binge mode. We're getting ready to binge mode. Like We're going to even record next weekend. We're going to go like... Seven or eight days straight. <laughs> so we're getting on our DeLorean. We're going 88 miles an hour. We're going all the way back to 2011. Set it for right now. Set it for May 30th, 2011, because we're going back today, and we are going to preview the 2011 finals as if they haven't happened, sort of. <laughs> Guys, this is going to be fun. It's a fun thing. Don't worry about the New Orleans crap going on right now. No. we have It's boring time of the season. We're going to throw it back. Nick's got some awesome guests coming up over the next couple of days to talk about the 2011 finals. Man. We have a great guest for tomorrow's show. If you're listening today, you know what's up. If you're listening tomorrow, it's because you've been brought in by the man. Deshaun Stevenson is coming on the podcast. We already did the interview. It is awesome. He told me some good stuff. He told me some stuff that I didn't know yet, that you didn't know yet, that Isaac didn't know. That I didn't. That I didn't Isaac know. didn't know it. So it's great stuff. He's coming on the podcast tomorrow for the game one. So what we're doing in this week, we are going. Th- we're doing a preview today. We're just doing the preview just to remind everybody where these teams came from, what the teams were, how they got to this stage. So it's the Dallas Mavericks versus the Miami Heat 2011 finals. Then we're going game by game. We're going to do a recap of game one, two, three, four, five, and six. And then we're going to have a guest or something else that we're going to do on the second half of the pod. So... All of these will be, you know, the same length as we've normally been doing, but we're going to do all these pods in a row. So we're going to do seven pods in a row, and we're super excited about it. It's going to be awesome. And let's just get started right away. We got to, so we, so tomorrow we got to Sean Stevenson. The day after we're going to do Chuck Cooperstein. Then we got Jeff Skin Wade, and then uh, we got a couple other guests that are in the hopper that we're working on. So keep checking back. And if you're listening to this sometime in the future, you just wanted to check back. This is a good time to do this. <laughs> It's the perfect time to do this. So how did these teams get here? You have the the Heat, obviously, that were the not one, not two, not three, that Heat team with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. And they were assembled because of Team USA and because of these guys getting together in the offseason, becoming friends, and then all being in the same draft year. All three of those guys were drafted in 2003 together, also with Melo, also with Darko. <laughs> so they were all, that was the top five and they were all drafted so their contracts were all up at the same time and so because they had you know they'd gone through their rookie deals and then they had gone through their r- rookie extensions as well they you know all their contracts were in the same time and so they 
all became free agents, and then they all joined together in Miami. They all had to take pay cuts as well. They didn't take the complete max, and uh, so they took the pay cuts. They went down to Miami, and, man, looking back at these games, the first thing that stuck out to me was the supporting cast. Holy cow, this was a limited team. They were they were starting Mike Bibby, the, the corpse of Mike Bibby. He was only 33. He was only 33 then, but it just feels like he was so much older. Mike Bibby, I instantly think of the Kings, and then I think of the, the Heat. Yeah. Because no, I think, of the, I think of the Kings, and that's it. Probably. I don't even remember him in the, the Heat, barely, you know? Like I, think, like, I think of him in the Kings first and well, only. Like, I just didn't even remember that he was on the team. <laughs> I think well, I only think of that because they played the Mavericks. If they right. didn't play the Mavericks in the finals, I would not have even thought of the Heat with him. But I mean, what a what a oldest they said. You know, Jason Kidd was the oldest guard ever in the history of the game yeah. to start in the finals. Yeah, the, at, yeah, thirty seven years old, and <laughs> he's facing off against Bibby at thirty three. So we got the old man, you know, matchup going off. But and Jason Kidd seemed. Like he was, I mean, he was obviously way more effective than Mike Bibby at that point. He didn't seem like he was older than him. <laughs> they seemed like they're the same age, you know. Yeah, and so, and I think we're, we'll we'll go through the roster in a little bit for Dallas, but yeah. we'll focus you know more on Dallas. But going back to Miami, you know, this was this was the decision. You know, that was yep. the summer of the decision for LeBron and you know Wade and Bosch kind of already did their thing. Wade had obviously been there for for years, and Bosch came on board, and then. You know, LeBron did his thing and rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. That, you know, pissed a lot of people off, fans, not just in Cleveland. People burning his jerseys. Yeah, and, you know, then they had the press conference, and that just, for some people, that made people dislike him more than the decision. You know, they get up there and say not one, all that stuff. It, and, and it wasn't a press conference. It was like a concert. <laughs> it was like a WWE event where they get up on this stage and they rise up from the floor and they, you know, come out to all this smoke and, like, you know, fog and just not one, not two in their jerseys. And, and this is the, that was the first time I remember players like fans burning a player's Jersey. Do you remember a time before that? I mean, I'm sure it's happened at some point, but like, I just don't remember that happening very much. Now it happens all the time. People do it as a joke. They burned Hayward's Jersey. Like, you know, (laughs) stupid thing. People burn Kevin loves Jersey when he got traded, you know, like stupid stuff like that. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But I don't remember a, Players' jersey getting burned, at least not getting national coverage. Before at least that, not from yeah national coverage, and at least not from like their own fan base, like a player leaving. You know, you might have seen if like a a fan base that hates another team, yeah. you know, like a Boston yeah. burning like a Magic jersey or something. And uh, calm down, Nick. They're not. Uh, but well, like a, a home team, you know, a fan base burning that, and rightfully so. They had every right to be mad that he kind of ditched them like he did. Yeah. And, uh, just the whole situation with that, but across you know the you know the states to the west, Dallas was, you know Miami was the sexy team. They just put formed everything together. Everybody was wondering that was the talk of the league. How is it going to fit? These are multiple time all stars. LeBron, arguably the best player in the game. There's only one Wait, ball, you know. It's all yeah, one ball, and it's just like everything you know that dominated the storylines. Now there's four balls. <laughs> Lavar, Lonzo, Leangelo, and Lamelo. <laughs> There's only one back then. What was what was Lavar doing back then? Scoring two point two points. 
Yeah, he was. No, LaMelo would have been like in elementary school. Anyway. So, yeah, but this team was a villain, though. Every, nobody nobody liked this team. Every, anybody outside of Miami hated this team, ex- unless you're a little kid. Then you had a LeBron jersey. <laughs> Think yeah. that just ton- it was almost like Steph Curry. Not as much as what Steph Curry has, but – you know, tons of, of kids and just people. And, and there was a lot of – and I was living in Ohio at the time, so a lot of people were, uh, like, moved with LeBron and decided to, you know, be like, all right, I'm just going to be a LeBron fan because why am I going to be a fan of this Cavs team that has, you know, nobody? And then th- then they got Kyrie, but uh, – they have- what, what, what a lot of Dallas fans would have done if Dirk ever left. Yeah. Just, I mean – course saying from I, what it is good lord if dirk ever did a decision that that'd be just the dumbest thing <laughs> i just can't even imagine that happening so but yeah this team was a, a major villain nobody wanted to, the, the heat nobody wanted to see them win at all they were not america's team uh and lebron at this point in his career was being questioned for his ability to close games that was one of the first things they said in the broadcast was look at his look at his stats in the clutch lebron is like 25 right now in in, in 2011 which is just Gosh, you know I have a smile on my face right now. It seems so long ago, but uh, yeah, he was 25. He was still establishing himself in the year. He was just getting into his prime. He'd already gotten swept in the finals. Already, yeah, he'd gotten swept in the finals. This is his second time into the into the finals. Still hadn't really proved himself. And uh, yeah, it, the the rest of the supporting cast for the Heat. Yeah, Joel Anthony was the starting center for the team he was he was like six nine that dude standing next to tyson chandler just looked like a child <laughs> he just didn't look then they had mike miller coming off the bench they had juan howard who makes an appearance in the finals that yes. nobody expected holy cow nobody expected juan howard then udonis haslam who who only played he played less than 10 games the whole season with he had an injury problem didn't play all the way up to the playoffs and then played in the you know, finals, and now we know that you know Udonis Haslam is—he's probably going to get his jersey retired for the Heat just because he's a guy that's been there forever. Like, imagine Dirk, but way less skilled. <laughs> that's that's kind of what Udonis Haslam's been. He's been there the entire time. He's been super loyal. He's been—you know—he he was a homegrown kid though. He grew up in Miami, and so maybe it's maybe Dirk's not a great example. Uh, you know, not talented Dirk is a great example, but. Uh, that was kind of the team that was around them. And there really wasn't anything else besides Mario Chalmers, who was really good in this series. Which was their, like, verbal punching bag. Yeah, not at that point, but he he was just coming into his own at that point. Yeah. Coming out of Kansas. He played he played pretty well. M- Miami, he also had the best defense in the NBA. That was, one, that was one thing about this team, is going into this series, Miami had this smothering defense because you had LeBron and Wade. And a lot of people were saying that, man, this team doesn't have a rim protector. Like, they don't have a, you know, a Tyson Chandler type. They don't have a Marcus Gasol type. They don't have a, a guy like that. But they had these two dudes that could just stifle anybody on the wing. Wade was a really good defender. LeBron was a, you know, all defense, like, should have been all you know like defensive player of the year candidate and so they just you know destroyed everybody on the wing and created a ton of turnovers and their transition buckets are like the only highlights that we see from that team are transition buckets (laughs) where you have lebron throwing up to wade or wade throwing it up to lebron i mean just a suit i mean you said i mean it's just a super athletic team i mean they could just smother people with their athleticism and you kind of saw that happen in game one, which we'll get to in tomorrow's pod, but yep. it's kind of, you know, that, that was their style and they got out and ran, you know, people questioned if the team would work 
and in their first season together, they won 58 games. So, yeah, you know, it worked, and it obviously worked for them. Um, but it kind of, you know, they, they rode their wave. They, you know, they had the crazy highlights, the crazy oops between each other. Bosch was, you know, he accepted his role as the third man, not yeah. two or one. You know, he accepted that. And he was, you know, he developed his outside shot more. And, you know, he was just like that perfect third person to their, you know, to their Batman and Robin. And that was an underlying key to, I think, a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't realize how good Chris Bosch was. Yeah. And he gets overlooked a lot. And because he's not the banana boat, he's not, you know, <laughs> he's friends with Are we him, sure he you know, wasn't inside the banana boat? Like <laughs> He's inside of it. But he was so good, man. He was so good in Toronto. Yeah. And he just gets kind of overlooked some when people talk about, you know, the you know the people who do talk about LeBron's supporting cast and hey he's never you know won you know these things without all stars around him you know multiple all stars not just one and people like to bring up in that argument oh okay well he had Wade but Bosch was like an okay player he doesn't count you know like that's no. so bullcrap like yeah, Bosch was multiple time all star I mean he was a top ten fifteen player in the league at that time and that. There's a reason why he was on that stage with, you know, Wade and LeBron saying, you know, not one, not two and all that stuff. It wasn't just Wade and, Wade and LeBron. Bosch was there and that he it's important for people to recognize how good Chris Bosch was back then. And this was before he had really stepped out and started shooting threes and started shooting a lot of, of you know, mid-range jumpers cuz you see in the series that he did not take a ton of mid-range jumpers. And when he did, it was because he was wide open. We see this a lot with random big men, that if they're super wide open, like if nobody's near them within six feet, they'll throw up a shot. but And they'll stop for a second, they'll sort of hesitate, and then they'll throw it up. But he was at he was kind of at that stage right now in his career, and they were always having a center next to him a couple times during the series. And I'll point it out when it happens, but... A couple times they played Bosch at center and LeBron at four or somebody else at center and LeBron at four. But most of the time during this series, Bosch was at four and LeBron was at three. They did not do this, that crazy thing that was made them so effective and had them go on that 27-game winning streak uh, and win the two titles, the you know, back-to-back years that they did. They hadn't exactly transitioned to that yet. Yeah, and, I mean, that's that was kind of the key – key to it all kind of going together in my opinion but until they met Dallas the last thing I want to say about about the heat before we talk about Dallas is uh <laughs> their poster the the finals poster that they put in the hallway of the like, the finals arena so like they're in this this series is also hilarious because you have the American Airlines Center for the Mavericks and the American Airlines Arena <laughs> or like no there's the both the American Airlines Center it's like going just Back and forth, American Airlines Center. Both they're named the same thing. American Airlines CEOs is sitting there raking in the cash, <laughs> all, all the uh, product placement. But on the poster in the American Airlines centers, LeBron, Bosch, Wade, Udonis Haslam, Mike Miller, Joel Anthony, Mike Bibby. <laughs> no Chalmers. That was their well, yeah, no Chalmers. But then also just. Those other four guys, and Udonis Haslam was a lot better then. Like, he was a really good player then. Yeah, yeah. Um, Haslam was a very solid player. Mike Miller was still just like a – he was like Corver, you know, and probably not as good. 
Better de- uh, he's probably a better defender than Corver, and he and but. better rebounder. They Mike Breen makes a big deal about his rebounding in this series. Joel Anthony was just he was just kind of a throw-in center, and Mike Bibby was at the end of his career. Um, but it was just funny that those guys were on the poster with them. <laughs> it's like, why do you have to put all those guys on there? Just put the three. Just put the three guys on there. <laughs> why don't you put the rest of them on there? And it's a huge like life-size poster in the hallway yeah. that you see immediately. Um, yeah. All right, let's talk about the Mavericks. Oh, and this is how Miami mi- – um, one more thing. This is how Miami made it to the finals. They played Philly in f- – they beat Philly in five ga- – they beat every team in five games. They played Philadelphia, Boston, and Chicago. Philadelphia in 2011 made the, made the playoffs. That was the team with El- – this team had a lot of really good players on it. Listen to, this, listen to this roster that Philly had. Elton Brand, Drew Holiday, Andre Iguodala, Thaddeus Young, Lou Williams, Mo Spates, Evan Turner, Jody Meeks when he was good, Spencer Hawes. That is, that's like a really solid lineup of players. Yeah. None of them are, are you know, exceedingly good, but they were all like really solid. That was like featured role Andre Iguodala days. Yeah, when he could Fun score Andre days when he would score twenty points a game. Yeah. So, but but they, they had no match. So they so Philly made the f- playoffs that year, and then they made it two thousand twelve the next year, and then that's when the whole Sam Hankey tanking happened. Was after that, so you could say that the Heat threw them out of <laughs> threw Philly. them out of it. Um, then they played Boston in five games. That was the Boston that was the Boston team that had been to the finals the year before yeah 2010 they lost to the lakers then uh they they had kg pierce ray allen and rondo still uh they also had jeff green on that team which is kind of interesting that they didn't have they traded perkins to uh the thunder who we'll talk about that's why they lost <laughs> and probably then uh then they beat chicago in five games that was chicago with derrick rose joakim noah lou Aldang, and league's the, league's best team chicago and the booze Carlos Boozer. Carlos, Carlos Boozer. I can't remember what Chicago's win total was, but they were the best team in the I want to say they won. They had to win more than 60 games, right? Yeah, I mean, they were the number one seed. That was D. Rose, vintage D. Rose. That was, uh, that was the fun. That was a fun Chicago team to watch. But, yeah, they beat them in five. Kind of cruised, you know. I mean, you yeah. can really kind of say what you know Dallas did, too, but – they kind of cruised. They kind of did their thing, and roll. Finally, got over the hump. You know, for Boston, for LeBron, and Boston had kind of been his uh, kryptonite up until that point a little bit. You know, they, he had made it to the finals before, but they uh, they got over the hump and beat Boston. Chicago had won sixty two games that season. Okay. That's a lot of games. All right, let's talk about your Mavericks. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. How they Shift. got how they got to the finals. They beat the Blazers in six games. That was arguably the toughest series. I do want to mention a few things about about the team, though. Yeah, we'll we'll do it. We'll do it after this. Okay, okay. Let's just do this right now. So they beat they beat the Blazers in six games, and uh, or do you want to talk about the regular season? Is that what you want to do? 
I was going to mention a few things about. Yeah, go it, ahead. Let's talk, talk about, about regular. Let's talk about regular season. No, well, you know, for Dallas, the you know the persona around Dallas at that time was, you know, they just couldn't get over the hump, and we're going to talk about that a lot. You know, in the, throughout this week, that that was the thing of. They just can't win in the playoffs. It was this was five years. Five years before that was the Dwayne Wade, you know, million free throws in the finals. Shaq and you know they beat they beat Dallas and it which, was just. Which, by but, the way, sometime this week, uh, somebody somebody tweeted uh, about something about Trump, and then there's this Twitter account that looks exactly like Dirk Nowitzki. It's this guy. He's at Squish41. Shout out to you because you get guys all the time. He does. And he quote tweeted it and he said, I'd go back and have him, you know, something about the refs in, in 2006. And yeah. like all these, he got like thousands of retweets and all these people. And like Emily Jones, who used to be a Mavericks sideline reporter, like quote, like retweeted it and like fell for it. Like she used to <laughs> work, she used to work <laughs> for the team. That's hilarious. And, uh, and a bunch of dudes did, did, like, just totally fell for it on Twitter. It was hilarious. I, I'm that, sure that tweet is still up on on at Squish Forty One. It looks exactly like Squish Forty One when you just glance at it. But he probably he probably pinned it. But it was a joke about the 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 um, officiating in that series in 2006. No, oh, so bad. But no, you know, so they came. This team was this. You know, it was a cast of old guys, basically. You know, we yeah. when we look back at the team. I have it wrote down somewhere, but the top five. When you look at this team, the top five guys of minutes per game were over the age of thirty. And with kid, you're starting point guard at the age of thirty-seven years old. Yeah, like, you want to do you want to do minutes per game? Here we go. This is this is the guys in their ages. Dirk Nowitzki, number one, thirty-two years old. This is regular season. Jason Kidd, 37 years old, 33 minutes a game. Jason Terry, 33 years old, 31 minutes a game. Karan Butler, who we'll talk about, 30 years old, almost just about 30 minutes a game. Sean Marion, 32, 28 minutes a game. Tyson Chandler, 28. A spry, young Tyson Chandler, 28 years old. <laughs> he looks so young. Just about 28 miles. minutes a game. Uh, then J.J. Barea, 26. Yeah, and you say you know Berea right there. You look at the rotation of guys. Berea was like the youngest guy in that rotation at twenty six. Yeah, I mean it's just it's crazy. Well, when you also had Roddy B, who had that that injury, and he was supposed to be, and he yeah. started a lot of games for for that team at the beginning. He started twenty six out of the twenty eight games he played, but and he well, was like the, he was twenty two. Yeah, yeah, he didn't make it end. Up, he didn't end up making it all the way to the playoffs. But yeah, Roddy B and Tyson Chandler and JJ Berea were the young dudes, <laughs> which is yeah. just weird. At 28, and and you know, I saw this quote from Jason Terry, and he said that in in the preseason, he said that you know they were sitting around, they got together, and they kind of went through each of their stories and each of their careers, and he said that you know they're looking at each other and said you know they they kind of had not this moment of this is our last hoorah, but this moment of like basically I'm paraphrasing, we've been in the league for a while, we each have our individual story, like now's the time, we can do this, like yeah. we have a team with all the pieces, we can put this together, and they took that team and they added the key piece that you just mentioned, they added Tyson Chandler, and Dirk quoted, he says, I think Tyson really changed the culture that year of the whole team, Yep, and so like when just a few things like that season, you know, they started off, they're the hottest team in the league two months, you know, two months in. 
And hottest team in the NBA. They ended, I, I made this note, they ended two home winning streaks with the Spurs and the Heat. They were both over 13 games. They went into both of those Dang. places, beat them. They went, they, you know, they went 25 and I think 25 and four. Could be wrong with Dang, that. Dang, that's a start but right there. Crazy. But then, you know, people forget Karan Butler on that team and what he meant to that team. That was our starting, you know, that was our, our you know, that was a starting guy there. I mean, he, what, you know, because obviously he didn't play in the finals. And that happened on, on January 31st, Karan Butler goes down. And, and, and Karan Butler, like you said, was a big part of this team. He had been a two-time All-Star just two years before that. In 2007, 2008, he was an All-Star uh, with the Wizards, with that team with you know Gilbert Arenas and uh, Antoine Jameson, who would later be a Maverick. Uh, but he, second, w- he second was like – leading scorer on the team. Yeah, he was a he was a twenty point per game scorer, and he was an all star basically at that point in his career. And it it kind of and naturally because Karan went down, Dirk went down. I think Dirk missed nine games when Dirk went down at the same time. They both went down, and suddenly this hot team that Dallas was riding this big wave, everybody was super hyped about. They lose you know their best player in Dirk and their second leading scorer in Butler. Dirk obviously came back, but Butler yeah, you know they games. found that. You know, Butler was out for the entire year, and Carlock, you know, quoted this as a dark period of the season, and they kind of just fell apart. And but Dirk comes back; they put it together because that's who they are. And that spring, and in in March, they went they went eighteen and one, (laughs) and through through that spring that led them up to that playoffs, and that's kind of where we set the stage for that really that first series with Portland. And people look back and say that, you know, how much of an underdog the Mavericks were going into this series. And just saying, like, oh, because if you look back, you you see it in hindsight. You see, oh, LeBron, Wade, Bosh. Those guys won two more titles. So this Mavericks team must – and this Mavericks team only had Dirk as their one all-star. So you just look at those two – you just look at those two things. Three all-stars to one all-star. And you say, oh, that was a – they were, must have been a huge underdog. And I asked Chuck Cooperstein about this, and he actually really corrected me. Uh, about this and gave a really good answer that I won't spoil, but um, that this team was not, you know, as big of an underdog maybe as we look back and and think of it as, you know, because they were super super good. This was a really great team that, you know, just had some bumps in the road that they were able to overcome, but in the playoffs, <laughs> not necessarily in the regular season. And that's when, like, when people bring about this All Star thing and like, oh, well, Dirk had Jason Kidd. 37 years old, Jason Kidd. Yeah. Please don't, like, that's always a pet peeve of mine when people talk about Dirk and his legacy and people he's played with, which people can't really make that big of an argument. But when people talk about the, you know, this championship team, like, well, he had Jason Kidd. He's a Hall of Famer. Really? Like, come on. Like, now don't get us wrong. He was still really good. I mean, he averaged eight points, eight rebounds, and four four assists and almost two steals. At 37 years old, Kidd is still balling at this point. However, still good. Yes, still he good. He's not all star Jason Kidd. He was not like the, you know, because Jason Kidd in his prime was, you know, def- like all defensive player and, you know, lockdown defender. And he wasn't as good of a shooter. We can we can also give him that. And then yeah. in this series, there Mike Breen at one point says, Jason Kidd fires a three. Bang. And he goes, the third, he goes, he's, you know, now he's, you know, passed up for the third most threes all time in the NBA. And I was like, what the heck? I had to go back and look, and I just totally forgot that he was 
he's like third or fourth all time in threes made, which is incredible because he came into the Jason league. Jason Terry's somewhere really high on that list too. Yeah, he is as well. But man, like for Jason Kidd to come in the league and be just awful at threes, and then at this point he's pretty pretty knocked down three point shooter. Yeah, I mean that was a that was what he brought to at the end of his career, and that's how guys stay in the league. You either you get a is. shot, you change your game a little bit, and Jason Kidd did that, and he was able to stay in for a long time. So they they go into round one and they face this Portland team, which is crazy because you know it seems like a long time ago, and I mean it, it was you know this you know playoff series, but you saw a really young Lamarcus Aldridge, yeah, that was on his team, a really young Nick Batum, uh, but. You saw really vintage Brandon Roy, and man, like vintage for you, one game. The other two, the the other couple games, you're just yeah. But eh. still, like you saw a good Brandon Roy that game. And as far as like Dallas, Dallas was up, you know, two zero in that series. Then they have they go into second, they go into second half. He's game three because well, Blazers won game three, and then game four, Mavs went up by twenty three. Was there about twenty three points in the second half, and then Brandon Roy happened, and Blazers came back and won, and, and really evened up the series. And you hear a bunch of the players, you know, reaction after that series being tied two two, and you know that was kind of like the turning point in that series of, okay, not again, you know, because not only did they lose five years ago to the Heat, but it was a year right after that that they were the one seed and lost to the Warriors, and that really just put that. You know, and every year since that, they you know, or after that, in between, they lost in the playoffs too. So, there, there was pressure. There was pressure, and maybe yeah. not from national sources, but from from you know, from from Dallas people. Like this is you know, the window is closing <laughs> at this point. And uh, so, in that game four, Portland, Portland was down forty nine to sixty seven, going in God. like with with eleven forty three left in the fourth. <laughs> which is like just going into the fourth quarter. They come back 10 seconds left. You know, they're, they're up 84 to 82 with 10 seconds left. Brandon Roy misses a three to basically clinch the game. He misses a three. Jason Kidd gets a rebound on the left wing, has this full court, basically outlet pass to Jason Terry on the other, other three point line on, you know, on the other side of the court. And Jason Terry throws it up, bricks it off the back iron. Could have, could have totally won the game would have been an insane you know clutch shot and completely missed it uh at the buzzer and so that portland ends up winning this game and, and uh ties the series up to two yeah and then dallas you know flipped the switch it was yeah. decision time for them and yep. they said put up or shut up this this is our series and they went out and won they, the next they said games. this is our playoffs <laughs> at that point <laughs> because they go on to win you know 10 of 11 games <laughs> basically they beat portland in six and then they face the two-time champs in the los angeles lakers in round two and this was one of man i dis okay so uh, like with kobe i dislike kobe when in his like younger years and i didn't really like him too much but as kobe got older i kind of started to like him and respect him more uh that's not happening with lebron but i don't think it's kobe that got older i think it's just you that got older <laughs> Well, I'm getting older with LeBron, and the same thing's not happening. <laughs> you just still don't care about him. No, but but this series, the Dallas series against the Lakers, man, it's one of my favorite damn and series. for so many Mavericks fans that I've heard of, it's their favorite, and I cannot blame you uh, at all. Because not this, for you, Nick. Because this is, a, you. this is a Lakers team that had, they had been to the finals in 2008. 
they had lost to the Celtics. They had been back to the finals and won in 09. They had been back, and this is when they got Pau Gasol in 2008. Then they go back to the finals in, in 09 and win, go to 10 and win. And so now, and Phil Jackson is their coach. Phil Jackson always wins finals in threes. He won three, he did a three-peat with, you know, the Bulls. He did another three-peat with the Bulls with Jordan. And those are, you know, separate three-peats. Then he did a three-peat with the Lakers with Shaq. And then he comes back. The Lakers had this weird period where they had Rudy Tomjanovich as their coach and, like, <laughs> just weird guys as their coach. And then they had Phil Jackson come back and coach Powell and Kobe. And so from Lakerland, they were like, well, Phil always wins it in threes. So we have to win, you know, we're the, we have to win the finals this year, which Lakers fans are ridiculous and they always think they're going to win the finals every year that they have you know a good team it's like they they don't think they're going to win it they think it's given to them you know yeah <laughs> just because they've won so many of them but uh so this team had you know a ton of confidence they had andrew bynum who was a player that was you know up and coming that was super good uh and should have been a lot better he was like almost borderline all-star and um i remember people were debating him as the best center in the league that was remember those years that was talk, that, <laughs> and it was, it was that's, like him and Dwight and Dwight Howard, I think. Yeah, that was more projection for sure because he was not there yet, but he was like a twenty point per game scorer, like pretty much there. Yeah, and uh, then the Mavericks just pff, they blew him out of the gym, and that they they basically ended the Lakers dynasty. <laughs> the Mavericks <laughs> single handedly ended it right here in this series. Does that pain you to say that? No, <laughs> no, the. You know, Kobe missed that three in game one, and, you know, we all, like, held our breath. And Mavs Mavs won that game, and you're like, you like, you were excited. Like, I was, I remember being excited and, like, saying confident, okay, Dallas has got this, man. We, you know, we just beat Portland six. Like, we won the last two. Like, we're rolling. And then this happened, and you're like, you, you run into the Lakers. They just won the past two. And, like, you were confident, but you were kind of, as a fan, you are scared, too. Yeah. When Kobe missed that three, it was almost like a moment of like, we got this. Like, we got a, a really good shot at winning this series. And, of course, they won game two. And so then, yeah, was was the Terry and Peja game, I think it was game four, right? Game four where they hit a NBA record 23s in a game, which is hilarious because now the record is 25 from the Cavs. But. Jason Terry and Peja Stokovic went 15. <laughs> Balled out. Went 15 for 16 from three-pointers like what page they sweat page also had a ton of th- page hit 13 threes in the in the portland series as well page was Pagey, was man. balling out then kid had 15 page had 13 and the most from anybody on the the blazers was eight and that was our boy brandon roy wesley matthews Oh, I was like, what? Who have we talked about? <laughs> That's our boy. So d- just for comparison, that that was the most anybody hit on Portland and that the Mavericks, you know, had a page of the hit a bunch of, had multiple. <laughs> just crazy. Yeah. That he we was... also had a classic Kobe line after game three. And he said, I, I read this when I was looking at this series. They come back from 03 all the time in hockey. <laughs> Newsflash, it's not hockey, Kobe. <laughs> Oh, this is man. this is not the same, and yeah, they, Dallas ended up sweeping the Lakers, and it was one of my favorite series. Over under, Kobe has watched one American hockey game. <laughs> I'm gonna say over since being retired. <laughs> at that point, no, no, no. At, at that point, yeah, yeah, no, because <laughs> no, there's no. no way he went to one, right? Zero chance, because <laughs> he was playing. Yeah, 
Who's too busy well, being in the gym until 4 a.m.? Unless it was in Denver. No, why? In, in, in Colorado. I don't know. He's, oh, he stop. Stop about Co- Colorado. <laughs> You're bringing up Colorado right now. Okay. So the Mavericks sweep the Lakers. They they set the record for threes in the, in the final game. They put the Lakers to bed. They ended their dynasty. That was it. Because after that, they had the Dwight trade. That was 2012. And then it just all went downhill from, from there. And guess what? It's still downhill. <laughs> it's still down in the hill right now. Yeah. Then Tampering. they, then they, I'm not going to talk about that. That's the most ridiculous, stupid thing. <laughs> what do the Pacers get out of, out of this? Tam- okay. So then the Mavericks go on to play the port, the, uh, Oklahoma city thunder. And this was a thunder team that had not been to the finals yet, but they had these three young dudes that were just, they didn't look like they were going to all be MVP candidates, but <laughs> they turned out to be. Yeah, I mean, Durant was the two-time scoring champion at that time. And know? he, him and, and Westbrook were both 22, and James Harden was 21, and Ibaka was 21. That's ridiculous. It's, yeah, I mean, it's just nuts. It's kind of, it's it's really nuts to look at it now and seeing how OKC picked Ibaka over Harden and seeing the difference in their careers right now at this moment. That's insane. Um, but, no, I mean, I mean, I would say this is kind of hard to word it, but I'd say Durant – was closer to what he is now during that series than the other three. Like Westbrook and Harden were still yeah. figuring themselves out. And like Durant was still figuring himself out too, but he was really, really good. Yeah, like listen and, like listen to their in this series, listen to their uh per game numbers. They're like Durant's almost are exactly the same as now. Twenty eight points a game, nine rebounds, four assists, one steal, one block. That's exactly what he averages now. That's the exact same thing. Westbrook, twenty three points five rebounds, five assists. So he's like halfway there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then Harden, 14 points, six rebounds, three assists, coming off the bench. So he was not even close to being there yet. But, yeah, this is – you're right. Durant was, was pretty much at his – like he was peaking, which is crazy. He's 22. And that guy's going to be the the scoring champion of the NBA, like all time. He could. He very well could. But Dirk, Dirk in this series – I mean, man. Who's like, going to stop him on this team? Like, they tried to put a Baca on, on Dirk. Nope. Please. That was nope. a joke. Not going to be able to do it. There there were just moments in it. I mean, obviously it happened in the finals too. There's just moments that his greatness just it completely came out. And that, just watching him work in that series, it was just you could almost just see it in his game that there's no way that I'm not going to the finals. There's no way yep. that I'm not going back to that stage. And he just said, this, this is me. And it was, he said it was just me, but it was in that clinching game in what game five. Did they win in five? Yeah, they won in five that, you know, they had a huge game from Sean Marion and that, that game five. And that kind of put them over the hump because Dirk kind of started off you know, slow from the field, their chance to, you know, end it all, final game to go to the finals and Dirk kind of started off slow, but you know, Marion had a huge game and Dirk brought him home late, but you know who had the highest rebound total in that game? Oh gosh. Was it Marion? We share the same name. Nick Collison. <laughs> Nick Collison had 12 boards in that game. Dang. He had 12 points and 12 boards. Nick Collison. He was, al- he was also a Dirk victim. Nick Collison and, and Udonis Haslam are the same. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> they've been yeah. with that. They've been with their teams just forever, and they. That's very true. Are you know? I'd say Haslam's probably better than Nick Collison, but. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's important to stress, like, so they, you know, they obviously beat the Thunder five games, and that you know puts them to the finals. It puts these two teams together. But we can't stress enough that we hear this cliche thing over the years of sports, over football, basketball, the history of the NBA, every year, every training camp, every postseason. The CrossFit games. We are, well, like in anything competitive. <laughs> the Winter Olympics. It's always no one believed in us. Yeah. Like no one believed in me. I want to prove people wrong. Like no one believed in us. No one thought we would be here. Dallas was that ultimate team. Dallas was the ultimate. Nobody believed in us. You constantly heard that. These Mavericks, you know, from Dirk, no one believed in him that he could get over this hump and get to get back to the finals and have playoff success. This Mavericks franchise that had been haunted for the past multiple years from the Golden State, you know, 67 win team that lost in the first round, losing away in them in the finals. Like, they were just. You know, and even like the makeup of their team and going through the playoffs and saying, like, look at the Lakers facing two time champs. How many people picked them? I mean, we should have, I, I should have looked it up and seeing if we could find predictions of how in the Lakers series. I definitely picked the Lakers. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. And like, you know, how many people would pick the Lakers to beat the Mavericks? And then even them facing this young Thunder team and look at Durant and Westbrook and all these people, like, the odds were always against them. No matter, I don't care. Give, don't give me no Vegas crap, like odds or whatever all that stuff. Yeah. The odds were against them from fans that no one believed in that team, and they kept on proving people wrong. And the same storyline followed them to the finals to meet, you know, spearhead really this Heat team that you know had just ha- had their own stars and had the big names, and they were the sexy team that everybody was talking about. So, all right, here we go. I pulled up the ESPN 2011 matchup: Lakers versus Mavericks. Yes, the year, here's so they have that. They used to do that thing where they put up all the picks of all the you know writers. Henry Abbott, Lakers in five. Adonde, Lakers in six. Kevin Arnovitz, Lakers in seven. Chris Broussard, Lakers in six. Chad Ford, Lakers in seven. John Hollinger. Shout out to him. Lakers in five. Tim Legler, Lakers in six. Our own Tim McMahon. Lakers in in seven. Dave McMenamin, Lakers in six. Jalen Rose, Lakers in six. Chris Sheridan. Chris Sheridan? I think so. I can't remember his first name. Sheridan something. Lakers in seven. Mark Stein. Dallas' own Mark Stein. Lakers in seven. David Thorpe, Lakers in five. And Michael Wilbound, Lakers in five. Nobody picked Dallas. Nobody picked them. Nobody picked the Mavericks at all. Like, the Lakers were swept. And, like, how do these people, like, that, talking about getting the prediction wrong. So, especially some of these people that picked Lakers in five. You picked Lakers in five, and they they didn't even win a single game. Henry Abbott, John Hollinger, <laughs> like, David Thorpe. These are smart dudes. Like, these, are, these are dudes so, that, like, Hollinger, stats, Hollinger, Hollinger works for an NBA team now. This is a smart guy that knows basketball. Yep. And they and this is just that's like just how incredible that this Lakers He probably are, had an advanced stat that told him to pick the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> you hate stats. But <laughs> did just how lopsided it is it seemed at the time. Now looking back you're like, "Oh, they swept them. They must have been way better." Another one thing I want to say about that Thunder series. There's a hilarious clip. And uh it's right after the game and uh Doris Burke is about to interview somebody on the sidelines and she can't find anybody. 
She interviews Carlisle, I think, for you know the two questions, and she turns around and she can't find any of the players. Can't find Dirk. Can't find Kid. Can't find Tyson. Can't find Marion. Can't find Jet. She turns around and says, "Seems like everybody has abandoned me." <laughs> <laughs> because this team was out. They had won the conference finals. They were going to the NBA finals. They were out. And they walked out. And they, they were like, we're just focused on the next thing. We're focused on what's ahead. They did not sit around and party and put the hats on and you know do all that stuff. They mm-hmm. were focused and determined to go on to the finals. And that was what was in front of them. They, were, they did not care about the conference finals championship at all. <laughs> just at they all. Didn't care one bit. They had one, one thing in their sight. It was only Jason Terry and Dirk that had lost yep. to the Heat back in you know five years ago, two thousand six. But this team and, had this team had you know Jason Kidd who had still not won a title. He had been with the Nets back to back you know back to back years and had not won. This is you know this is a team that had guys that had been to the finals and you know and lost before. This is you know this was a, a team that had a lot of hungry guys on. It was Sean Marion. He had been to the conference finals you know a couple times with yeah. with the Suns. And yep. had not been there. So this is just a team full of guys that were, you know, Paige Stojakovic, also a dude that had been in the conference finals and, you know, had been so been a Robert Ory shot, a Derek Fisher shot away from, you know, going to the finals and being in the, you know, in the NBA finals and not been there. So these dudes were all just laser focused on doing that. Uh, there's also a, a thing that was noted in this that Dirk had not watched the 2006 finals since it happened. He had not gone back and watched it. He said he made it sick to his stomach. So at this point, he had still not watched it. So there was just this hump, this overwhelming hump that they needed to get over. And they got through the they got through the Blazers. They swept the Lakers, which was huge. They beat this young up and coming Thunder team, and now they're here. Now they're here at the finals. This is what they had been going for, and this is what they had been you know, building towards since, you know, back since 2006. The stage was set for revenge and yep. for revenge for a couple of them, but really the stage was set for that, you know, in all honesty, and it ended up being the last opportunity for a lot of these guys. And, you know, they, they didn't let it fall. Like they, for they uh, everybody. I don't think anybody's been back to a final since, right? Yeah, and they're probably they're probably not gonna be. I mean, was Sean Marion on one of those Cleveland teams? He was on. Mm, he, he was, was on, on one of them. I can't remember, but you know, it's just that that was their their moment, and kind of going back to the preseason that year, what Terry had said, like this is their moment. They had put this team together, and and just to remind people that the roster going in, we've mentioned a lot of them, but yeah, Jason Kidd. You know, they had to shift the lineup a little bit because Karan Butler got hurt back in January. So they had Kidd, Stevenson, Sean Marion, Dirk, and Tyson. And then you had Jason Terry, J.J. Barea, Peja Stokovic, Brendan Haywood. Let's go. Yeah. UNC. And Brendan Haywood was – he was a really good player. And what they – what I re- remembered about Brendan Haywood was that he came over in that Karan Butler trade. And – uh for Josh Howard. Josh Howard was an all-star and they sent him over. Brandon Haywood was supposed to be like the starter. He had come over in that trade and then he was he re-signed with the team because he wanted to be, you know, a starter. And Jeff Van Gundy, <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy and uh and Mike Breen and Mark Jackson get in this debate about <laughs> Brandon Haywood because they start talking about him. And uh and so they basically uh, Pat Riley recruited Brendan Haywood, wanted him to be on the Heat 
before you know all the decision and stuff. And so Pat Riley went to his house to go and recruit <laughs> Brennan Haywood. And uh, then Brennan Haywood came to Dallas, thought he was going to be the starter. He signed with Dallas, and two days later, they added Tyson Chandler. <laughs> Just like, imagine like the carpet pulled out from under you. You think you're going to be the starter in Dallas, and then all of a sudden, Tyson Chandler, who was, you know, he had won all-defense player of the year, right? And he was, in 2011, he was third in, in you know, defense, defensive player of the year voting. Um and then, so they're talking about this, and they're talking about the recruiting and how Pat Riley recruited him. And then Mark Jackson said, "What is this league coming to? I'm not going to see Brennan Haywood at his house. Come back to Coach Riley. He's not worthy." <laughs> <laughs> when I think that, of Brennan, really Brennan Haywood on that team, I think of him getting absolutely yammed on by Kevin Durant <laughs> because that highlight yeah. of Durant dunking on his face in the playoffs, but. Yeah, so they had Haywood, they had Ian. I'm on a butcher. I never can say his Jan last Mahimi. name. Jan Mahimi. Jan Mahimi. Um, they had him on the team. He was like their hype guy. He put, he got and, some run in the finals. Yeah, he got a little run. And then they had Corey Brewer, and then last but not least, not least at all, the guy the that man. He also got some run in the finals. Some surprising run. Brian Cardinal, the custodian. Put. His jersey and the rafters right now. <laughs> Somewhere. You don't have to put it with the other ones. You don't have to put it with Rolo just, just and with it. Brad Davis and with where Dirks is going to go. But just put it somewhere else. You know, we got all those stars ones up there. You can throw it up somewhere. Yeah. Just fold it, put it hanging over a little rafter, put it somewhere up there. Um, do you want to know some of the other random players that were on the Heat team? Throw them at me. Eddie House. Kind of random. I, I, God, I hated him. Kind of random. LeBron's buddy in Cleveland. James Jones? Big Z. Zadrunas? Zadrunas Ogowskis was on this team. I forgot all about that. Jamal McGlore. <laughs> this team was just trying any center they could. Just trying any center they could. Eventually they figured out Bosch should be their center. And last but not least, Taman's least favorite player of all time. Shout out to Taman if you're listening. Eric Dampier was on this team. <laughs> Eric Dampier was riding the bench for the Mavericks. Did not get any run. For the Heat, for the Heat. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, for the Heat. He had his he had his Dallas run, glorious Dampier. <laughs> that was the team. That's crazy. And that's it. And that set the stage for this much anticipated matchup revenge game for Dirk and Jet. The you got the one side of Dallas saying, "Hey, no one believes in us. We've kept it going," and then you got the sexy new big three that come together in this finals matchup and you kind of had two flip of the coins for fans as, as far as like teams that are not or fans that was not you know Miami or Dallas it was fans in the league that were looking at it saying do I root for an all-time great in Dirk that has did it the right way that stayed in Dallas and we just you know, cast of veterans you know they put it together throwing it together they they might not be the most fun team to watch for a lot of people a lot of people like to dub this you know just a couple weeks ago i was talking with this to it with another fan and they said man that was the worst finals team of the past like 30 years yeah what like, that team do. was so bad and i'm just like no like do you watch basketball like do you <laughs> know what the sport is like so but in a sense to a lot of normal fans they weren't they weren't that that sexy you know they weren't that you know, if you want to say fun to a lot of people outside of Dallas because they wasn't doing the high-flying dunks that LeBron and them are doing. They weren't throwing up the oops and 
flying through the air and doing all the acrobatic stuff. You know, like Miami had the Miami show life, put it together. They had embraced the villain role. And so I would still say, though, wouldn't you agree that a lot of the in-between fans were rooting for Dallas, though, because of the hate towards LeBron? They were. And there was also, if you remember this, there was this Facebook page called the Mavaliers. All the Cavaliers fans that hated LeBron at that point jumped on the Mavericks bandwagon. That page had like 100,000-something likes on it. The Mavaliers. Mavaliers. But, yeah, people were behind the Mavericks. Everybody, you know, everybody at that point, at least everybody I was around, at least, that didn't, you know, didn't want the Heat to win. Yeah. Because you didn't want to award and reward LeBron and and Bosh and Wade for – you know, joining forces together because people just didn't think that was right. And apparently people still think that way because of the Kevin Durant decision. Yeah. And it was kind of the, Hey, we're going to root against them because they're, you know, a super team, if you want to say, but it was a lot to do with how they did it too. And they just came across really cocky. They were their own. Never be your own hype man. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Especially if you don't need it. In this series, I just remember I remember vividly watching this series at home in my living room. Like I'm a type of guy. I don't know if you are like, I don't do bars. I don't do big restaurants. I don't do big groups when it comes to important, teams that important I'm, games. Exactly. Teams. I'm really invested in. Like when Carolina was going through their, you know, through March Madness, no, 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 no like, like important I, games. Oh, shut up. Nick. <laughs> that, you know, like stuff like that teams that I'm invested in. I just, I can't do it. I have to be, at my house by myself. Yep. And cause I'm mean, like emotionally invested in this game. Call me stupid. Like, you know, there's a lot of fans like that for like, and, but I just remember sitting in my living room. I don't have, I didn't have anybody watching the pregame stuff and just, I just don't know if I remember in a series, you know, at that time, obviously we weren't reporters. We weren't living in Dallas. I was living in Kentucky. You were yeah. in Ohio. Like I love Dirk because I grew up playing basketball and played high school basketball like I loved basketball and just being you know quite honest like as a white guy growing up playing basketball you do you know I'm like oh man Dirk so was white yeah, you, superstar you gravitate to guys like that and man. I'm like man yeah I can like I if he can do it I can do it and no. so like a, you know no, which obviously you know didn't happen but <laughs> love Dirk and it's just like love Dirk love the Mavericks team I love you know I love kid back in the you know New Jersey days and all that stuff but like I was obviously rooting for that team, and I'm saying this because I don't remember a finals to where I was so, like, I don't know, n- wanting a series to go one way. You know, yeah. there, there's been different finals that I've went into it saying, you know, okay, I don't want that. I'm going to root for this team, but if the other team wins, mm, okay. And, you know, I didn't like Kobe back in the, you know his early years, but I didn't, like, care that much. I cared when people started, you know, throwing the, like, Jordan debate and stuff with him like oh he's getting close to it, blah 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 and now LeBron's that but you know I, I like the Piston teams you know I rooted for some of them but this series was just different and I, I, I hated that Miami team man like I hated them <laughs> so many people I, did so I many hated people. their guts and I couldn't stand them I wanted to sleep them so bad and I just remember thinking to myself, if we lose this, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like we lose this series. Uh so but man, yeah. So that just it goes into game one and that kind of sets the stage for game one. 
Game one, coming tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. We're talking to Deshaun Stevenson. The man, Deshaun Stevenson. The man. And I'm going to let you guys know, I ask him right off the bat. I ask him how his Dirk tastes. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. I did. I had to ask him twice. I cut it out of the interview, but he didn't hear me the first time, and that was the most awkward I've ever felt. You asked him, how's your dirt taste? Um, what'd you say? You could hear his kid in the background, like, screaming or something, and so I'm sure he had to do something. But <laughs> Yep, so, all right, this is 2011 Finals flashback. We are going back, looking at all the finals. That was the preview. If you guys liked that, we appreciate it. And we're taking all of your iTunes reviews. Go to iTunes, give us five stars, and review with your favorite moment from the 2011 Finals. Go to Lockdown Mavs. You, uh, find YouTube page. We don't have a YouTube page. Go to the iTunes page. We will read all of them. We already got some really good ones in. Really funny stories, some of these people. Uh, so go ahead and do that. And uh, if you can't uh, review, if you've already done that, we will accept some tweets. I'll throw that out there at the end. But we want the iTunes reviews. Those are the ones we're definitely going to read. Some of the tweets we might read if they're really funny. So send, send them to us, guys. Send it to us. We really appreciate it. Keep checking back. And uh, go to Mavs Moneyball. We'll be posting some more stuff about the finals this week there. Go to thesmokingcuban.com. They're doing some really good stuff there as well. Good good Mavs coverage all around still. Even in August, guys. Even in August. Thanks Game for one tomorrow. Thanks for joining us on 2011 Mavericks Finals Flashback Week. Peace out. Boom. Boom.